Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So, in the beginning of this episode, we're going to go ahead and put in this trigger warning. Uh, we are going to be mentioning uh, sexual abuse, assault, and religious trauma. So, just an FYI, and mm-hmm. as you probably can tell from the title, we are going into the world of purity and virginity. So, there you go. Um, we're not going to be too explicit, but there are some things where I think it could get sensitive, you know? Yes. And peek behind the podcast curtains, depending on uh, what, how much Samantha and I have to say on top of what we've researched, this could be a two-parter. We don't Ooh. know. Yes, it's a surprise <laughs> it's very for exciting. all. It's a surprise for all. It is. <laughs> all right. Well, Annie, I do have a question for you. And I don't think we've ever talked about this. Uh-huh. A, did your parents ever talk to you about the birds and the bees? <laughs> um, they attempted to. So what happened was I was in eighth grade and uh, my dad... At this time, uh, he was the one who used to pick me up because he worked near me and he was a college professor. So oftentimes, like, his schedule lined up. So it was easy for him to pick pick me up. And this resulted in some, you know, really awkward father-daughter. But, like, it shouldn't be awkward, but it was awkward of, like, me having to buy pads and stuff. So he knew, like, that was going on. I was really young when I got my first period. But we were stuck in traffic because it's a small town, but all the roads get packed around school time. And he just brought it up out of nowhere of like, so do you know what sex is? And I said, yes. And there was a like really prolonged, protracted, awkward pause. And he said, okay, good. And that was the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially... I was a little annoyed when this happened because I was like, of course, I already know about this. You're way too late to be giving me this talk. But I did have questions and honestly didn't really know. I knew like what I've heard from friends and what I looked up in the encyclopedia. But it felt so like uncool and extremely awkward to tell my dad like, yeah, I am 15 and I would like to know more about sex. (laughs) 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 So, and he was equally like, he did not follow up after I said, I know what it is. That was the end. Of that was the, the end. attempted talk. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and during that time, did you have any moment of where he talked about your responsibility as the girl? No. It it was literally just the tense, a very tense, awkward, I'm glad you know about it. I remember having a teetering moment where it felt like he was on the verge of asking, have you had sex? Right. Or like going into it and he didn't pursue it. But I did, I had like this nervous anticipation of he was going to ask. And if he had, I don't know what I would have done. Right. Because I might have, I might have lied. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a whole other level to that. But yeah. Did you ever talk to your mom about it? I didn't talk to my mom about it. I asked her about other kind of related things, I guess. Uh, and I would ask her, like, how do you meet people? 
it seems like they're doing it at a bar. And she's like, oh, no, not that. But not really. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So for myself, I did have a moment where my mother came and approached me. But it wasn't necessarily about sex as much as she kind of just gave a history about herself. And mm-hmm. uh, her and my dad have always been together. And they've been together happily since a very young age. And like, because they were so... Not I, like they were a permanent fixture in my life. That they were the couple, no other couple. They didn't really date anybody else. It was just them. They got married. They've been together. They would not know what to do with out each other type of level. Yeah. So some of the things that we talk about, she had a lot of shame factor on herself, which I was kind of like, it was like I wasn't super shocked, but I was like, you know, that's not uncommon. Okay, everything's worked out. It's beautiful. Your marriage is beautiful. I don't understand what's happening. But it was a weird, like, connotation of, you know, we did it this way. You don't have to do it this way. But this is what this looks like. And and being in love is beautiful. And I will say, like, they definitely encouraged the whole wait till you're married thing. But it wasn't pushed. Mm-hmm. It was also, I think, a little beyond them because the expectation was everybody's human and everybody's going to sin. Now, not necessarily just to make mistakes, but sin. It is definitely, yeah. to them, it was sin. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't unforgivable if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And again, as you, the audience, you're the listeners, you probably already know and, and can tell as it was in the subject, it's in the heading, so you kind of already know what you're jumping into. Yes, today's episode, we are jumping into the wormhole of the ideology, myths, and even the history and or origination of virginity and purity. And y'all, oh God, what a spiral <laughs> it was and is. Uh, there's so many books, of course, and there's a lot of conversation that's been happening that needs to happen. And there's still a lot of opposing views. I think this is probably one of those things that would split my family in half. Like the conversations would go back and forth. Like we make jokes about things. And again, my parents and my family are not necessarily stickler sticklers, but the whole idea of morality, purity, virginity, it's a serious thing. It's a serious concept for my family who is very, very, very religious. But there's Mm -hmm. no shunning. I would say like as much as they would love to say everybody's perfect in this family, they would never dismiss or like send someone off because they disagreed. So I will say mm-hmm. that. But yeah, it's a really divisive issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's another one of those things. And we're going to talk about some of our own personal experiences and thoughts around it as we go. But um, that I have learned is not a big deal in every culture or in every right. uh, society. And that was kind of a shock to me because in my growing up, in the U.S. and the South with, yeah, I would see things like you're describing with my really Christian friends with their parents being like, you can't have sex before marriage and all that stuff and being asked to go to like purity ceremonies. So I had that with me and I thought it was, you know, just a big deal across the board around the world. And I learned that's not quite the case. (laughs) Um, Me too. Yes. So virginity. And here, yes, we are talking about the whole heteronormative concept of male and female penis and vagina intercourse, which, yes, is why this whole concept is misleading and problematic, or at least one of the things that makes it problematic and misleading. So just to put that right at the top, that is what we're talking about. So let's start in typical Sminty fashion with some definitions. 
Virginity, as defined by Merriam-Webster, the quality or state of being a virgin, especially maidenhood or the unmarried life celibacy. And for bonus points here, maidenhood is defined as the quality, state, or time of being a maiden or an unmarried girl or woman. So yes, already we can see the uh, sexist leaning of where this this word came from. (laughs) Another definition of virginity can also be described as the state of never having engaged in sexual intercourse. Again, very heteronormative Mm -hmm. and very cisgender type of conversation here. Yeah, Or can be characterized as a state of purity. And here, purity means physical chastity. Going back to virginity, so it was like a back and forth. Obviously, these terms seem to go cyclical. Just go ahead with that there. Yes. And I was just reminded as you were going through that I had friends named Chastity. Yes. Uh, that was yes. a punchline in a recent episode of uh, Parks and Rec that I just watched. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Mm -hmm. And while we're here, we might as well go through some of the slang that is used for those who have had sex for the first time, such as popping your cherry, cherry popping, de-virginized, hole punch the V-card, broke the bandsaw, plowed, losing your religion, pop a lock, de-virginization, swiping the V-card, and so many more. A lot of them don't make much sense. A lot of the ones I just went through, I've never heard, and I'm kind of confused, but all right. (laughs) Well, the list is very long, and some of them didn't quite make sense. And I think that's because of my naivety. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, The (laughs) website that I use is quite long, as in fact, it's also censored, so it's blurred. You have to click approvals to get to see all of them. Wow. And the ones that were blurred didn't make sense as to why it was blurred. So I'm like, oh, I definitely don't understand (laughs) what this means. And then you have to debate, like, is this worth looking it up in my (laughs) my search history? (laughs) Yeah, like, it's already bad. And and, yeah, I think you listeners already know our search engines are going to be crazy. And people are going to be like, what's wrong with you? What Mm -hmm. kind of deviant are you? (laughs) But there was so many. And of course, a lot of them also had uh, connotations of like losing something, everything being virgin. So whether you're uh, your first kiss, then you got, you know, you're a virgin to kissing type of thing. So that had those Mm -hmm. words as well. So I was like, that's not what we're looking for. But yeah, that, uh, that rabbit hole was fun. Yeah, I'm sure. And confusing. I remember, um, that was a thing too when you were in high school and you would like, because there's all those things with cherries on them marketed right. towards young girls. And right. you would be like, somehow that became almost like an invitation. Right. So you, w- I wouldn't wear anything with cherries on it. Yeah. So I was like, this is... I didn't know. <laughs> I don't think I wore okay. anything with fruit. Like it was just weird to me to wear any patterns with fruit on it anyway. So I didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it was not a thing that was in my head. Of course, we did the whole like tying the stem, the cherry stem oh, yeah. with your tongue. Yeah. And that was supposed yeah. to be sexual somehow. Everything was sexual at that point if you're a teenager. Yeah. So also, we are going to talk about the hymen throughout. Uh, we're not necessarily looking at it through all of our conversation, obviously, but it is a topic that we do want to address. And uh, go ahead and put that term here, and let's go ahead and define it, which the hymen is the thin membrane that surrounds the opening of the vagina. And just for reference, it comes in all different shapes and is different for every person, and some people don't even have it. One statistic actually showed that it was one in 1,000 women who didn't have one at all and never did have one, mm-hmm. I would say those numbers are definitely just an estimation since you can't tell sometimes. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. That was another, like, 
miss about that, which I know we're going to get into, but, you know, if you ride your bike too hard or if you masturbate right. and then you basically right. have, <laughs> in quotes, lost your virginity. Right. And that was a concern. I believe that. <laughs> I asked my mom that. I was worried about it. And then now looking back, I'm like, I, <laughs> right. I was worried about it. Yeah. Let's talk about some origins. The term, first and foremost, virginity or version, actually came into play into the English language in the 13th century. And that was derived from the French word virgine, which was derived from the Latin Virgo, which according to the newworldencyclopedia.com was composed of ver, meaning man or husband. And y'all, my Latin's not good, so don't get at me because when I was listening to it, it just sounded like mumbles. Uh, and genre, meaning created for. And by the way, apparently genre already had kind of a double meaning on it, which meant a female in nuptial subjection to a male. So when you put those words together, yes, as we said in the Merriam-Webster definition, this is very heavily leaning and putting on top of women in general and female in general. Right. But that is only the English introduction. And yes, yes, it is very sexist. But the value of virginity as a concept has existed for a while now. In 7th century BCE, we have the Vestal Virgins, which was a part of a Roman religion that kept virgins as priestesses who tended the cult of Vesta, or the goddess of the hearth. They were chosen between the ages of 6 to 10 by the chief priest and served for 30 years, at which time they had to remain virgins throughout. If they did not follow the rules and attend to their duties, they would be punished by beating, and if they gave up their chastity, they would be buried alive, because Apparently, you can't spill vestal blood, which being buried alive is far worse. Not fun. That just sounds, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Um, but if they follow the rules, they lived a pretty privileged life, more so than any other women who may have been married or even single. They were able to have and handle their own property, and they didn't have to follow the rules of their fathers or men, I guess. Not this priest guy aside, right. but... <laughs> right. Well, there was a chief. Yeah, the chief priest was in charge of them alone, but when they were released, they were free to do what they need, wanted to do. Right. Uh, including they could get married if they want to, but they didn't have to, which mm -hmm. sounds okay to me. <laughs> and of course, uh, there are so many legends and myths of sacrificing virgins to appease gods, whether it's to calm storms so they would throw virgins to the sea to calm that storm and hoping that they could survive and go through their passage, or to avoid disasters. So, you know, you've heard the many a times where virgins were cast into volcanoes uh, or, mm -hmm. you know, sacrifice at places in order to get good harvest. Right. And that has been around for a while. There was another uh, religion where they went ahead and buried virgins to protect their surroundings and their area and their community from disasters. So it was preemptive. There's oh, that. Wow. <laughs> and, of course, we have also the biblical references, uh, such as the miracle of the virgin birth, Virgin Mary, who is idealized in a lot of ways, including well, being obviously Protestantism and Catholicism both cling to the Virgin Mary. But, again, we also have the whole, like, the virgin daughters as brides giving away the prize of it all, mm -hmm. the offering of the youngest, the virgin, to kings as gifts. We've seen that in biblical references. And within that also is the whore versus the virgin, who is the godly and who is the unclean, and how yeah. that goes. And we've, we've seen that dichotomy within biblical references. So, let's keep exploring this legend of virginity. <laughs> 
Yes, but I do want to point out that when we were talking about this, Samantha was like, oh, yes, the Virgin Mary. And I was like, Arshami Skywalker from Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes. I went biblical and she went Star Wars. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, So the culture of virginity has had a lot of buildup. When we talk about it today, there's a lot of emphasis placed on who is valued. Like just going through the examples just then, you can see that value placed on people and what is their value. When talking about this value of virginity, the majority of the time we are linking this to women and linking it to women's values. Female virginity is often tied to honor, not only within the individual, but sometimes to family honor and family shame. Right. And we're not getting too deep into the cultural references because it is. It is international when it comes to the concept of virginity, morality, purity, and the value of women based on that. Uh, but yeah, it is of note to know that it is shown differently in whether it's uh, having autonomy with your body, autonomy in being able to choose your husband's or your family's future, or how you want to do that. So that's something of note too, but we're not really getting into that in this in this episode. Yes, but we are getting into uh, purity culture, which is something that is often intermixed or interchangeable with this whole idea of virginity and its value. Um, we are going to talk about that a bit more later. Later. Yes. When we talk about virginity, we usually are placing the emphasis on women, but there is a similar parallel for men. Both are steeped with toxic masculinity. Uh, we recently talked about this on a happy hour, though the results are different. While we place a value in overall extreme opinion on women, whether we call a virgin pure or those who are no longer virgins, whores, or sluts, men are seen as weak and not a man if they remain virgins. Um, men become the basis of the joke if they're virgins, stuff like 40-year-old virgin, um, nerds. And that toxicity also pushes into the idea of the more sex, the bigger the man, or the more manly he is as compared to women. For women, the bigger the slut the more sex that she's had, which also goes into the lines of this dangerous idea that men are sexual and therefore not responsible for their actions, thinking with their dicks, for example. Again, this is a very dangerous line of thought that allows for men to not take responsibility for their actions and again lays that responsibility on women, whether it's the idea that women may be tempting a man or owes them sex or both. Right. Yeah, and... It's a whole thing. We know this. We've talked about the level of toxicity, rape culture, and what that brings out. And yeah, we can't deny that this purity culture, this virginity culture, this abstinence culture and basis and ideology has lent uh, evidence to why this is so toxic and has like amplified rape culture because of that. And it's beyond dangerous and we should not we should always recognize that. I think that needs to be pointed out every time we talk about it yeah. because it is something that has put all women, and I mean, honestly, um, all people in danger. Yeah, and I think, like, we're, we're talking about kind of extremes here, but I think also it's it's frustrating because, and this is very oversimplified generalization, but 
a lot of men that I know get angry at women for being like cold or closed off or playing hard to get, whatever, because they have this idea that they they are either owed sex or they they need to have sex so that they're <laughs> manly. But women are being told, well, if you have sex, they're a slut and there's your value. And so it's like it doesn't even, they're not compatible. They're not. So if, if again, it's such like a tricky thing to define because I do think for some women, maybe you would like to say, have more sex or um, not play this game of right. like hard to get but it doesn't feel safe or you feel like you'll be judged for it. So it's just really frustrating because even on like a basic level, I feel like we're coming from in the, the very heteronormative, but like very different scripts or ideas of what right. is going to impact us or make us look good or bad or right. things like that. Right. And it's very dangerous. Yes. Oh, but before we actually come back to all that, because we are going to talk about this again when we talk about purity cultures, especially in uh, Western civilization, we're going to talk a bit about some of the old school thoughts. One of some not so old school thoughts, but uh, started old school and it still remains and it's kind of scary. But one of the conversations that we've had th- all throughout history, part of the myths of virginity is the virgin cures. So throughout history, there continued to be a myth that traveled throughout the world of the idea that virgins could actually uh cure STIs. The practice was first noted in Europe in the 16th century, but gained prominence in the 19th century Victorian England. And by the way, that's just, again, just noted. So it probably existed way before then. And -hmm. we just don't know all of the, we don't have all of those records. But it was also practiced in the U.S. at the same time as it was being practiced in Victorian England. So it's not that far off. Um, Many believe by having sex with a virgin, they could be cured of STIs like syphilis and gonorrhea instead of realizing they're spreading it. Unfortunately, the continued mythology of this type of cure isn't just historical, but was practiced within the last 20 years. It was noted that in the early 2000s, it was still being practiced as a cure for AIDS. According to UNICEF, the culture-based gender roles that prize innocence and ignorance in girls and promoted this idea that men are sexually beings and have only perpetuated this type of myths, that this is a cure and all you need to do is find a virgin. And not surprisingly, this practice caused a huge rise in sexual violence and the continued rape of assault of young girls and even infants in affected areas. There was a huge conversation about why this was occurring um, within the 19th century when it was happening in England and in New York. They were buying uh, young children to get this practice. And it wasn't discouraged until a little while later, even though... Yeah, it's horrifying. But again, this kind of also is that conversation that we don't really get into and we really do need to get to probably be a part three of this episode, honestly, about (laughs) what a value of a virgin is when it comes to uh, marginalized communities and how little they're looked upon in general anyway. So that kind of whole ideology that purity can only happen with white cis uh, heteronormative women, Mm -hmm. just white women in general. And that everybody else was already impure because they're not white. Right. So that's that right. whole other... And then class has everything to do with that as well. So there's that whole level of conversation. But yeah. because of that and this type of gender-based roles and this prize that this innocence can cure me, I can take that upon yeah. myself, which we've seen that as uh, other ways when we were talking about possible serial killer who bathed in virgin's blood. Right. There is that conversation. of This is that myth that has perpetuated really, really dangerous and violent reactions. Yes. And then there's virgin disease, 
there was a time when apparently people believed that there was a specific disease that could only infect virgins, known as the disease of virgins. In the 16th century, this particular disease, which had vague symptoms of, quote, feeling faint, breathlessness, odd eating habits, were all attributed to the idea that they were infected because the blood within a person's body couldn't leave the body. And the cure? Bloodletting, which was a go-to at that time. Um, (laughs) But the better and more permanent solution was having sex, preferably married sex. According to the research at the time, quote, sex would open up the body and move the retained blood around. And though by this time, the idea that the hymen could be a tell of whether a woman was a virgin or not was dismissed, it was said that a virgin having sex would allow for the blood to go through, quote, internal mouths that would lead the blood to go into the womb. And it seemed some believed uh, it wasn't necessarily that it was a disease of virgins, but a disease for those who hadn't had children yet, or at least could get it again if they didn't bear children at some point. Right. So this whole disease thing was such a weird context. And it became problematic uh, because that meant when a girl started her period, she tried to get married immediately. So as Mm. to not have this disease. Right. Uh, And everybody was like, oh, wait. Although, of course, looking back now, younger brides were more accepted, but mm-hmm. still kind of like, wait, wait, maybe maybe we should calm down. Mm-hmm. And then some other symptoms of the disease of virgins, as they called it, included your skin turning and an unattractive hue, quote unquote, nice. um, perhaps greenish or very pale. And apparently the, the sickness was actually also called green sickness because of that. But there's also a conversation that it could have been called green sickness because at that point in time, being green means that you were a virgin as well. So you right. weren't quite ripe yet. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a whole context. Uh, and it seems by the 18th century, people would joke about this disease. Uh, so they kind of got to the point, they're like, eh, this is, of course, I have a feeling this is like a telltale of like the blue balls telltale uh, of what yeah. today. But there was a ballad about this disease called the Enfield Common, which talks about a lusty gallant who helps and saves the poor virgin by helping to, quote, ease her and fully please her. Wow. Yes. <laughs> So I thought that was interesting and needed to be a part of our discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, virgin disease. Okay. And then there is virgin testing. I bet a lot of you have heard about this. With the value of virginity and purity being, being placed as this like really high commodity, virginity testing is not a new thing, but it does still exist. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2019, rapper T.I. went on a podcast bragging about how he takes his teenage daughter to her gynecological appointment every birthday to make sure she is still a virgin. Obviously, that did not go over well for him. And many were very vocal about their disgust uh, and even concern for his daughter, who didn't make any comments at the time, seemed to like a lot of the messages that were disapproving of his words and the ways he was treating his daughter. And also on your birthday. Right. Come so apparently on. he announced this after the fact that it was her 18th birthday, which is even freaking worse. Yeah. I mean, that feels that feels like a fairy tale you, you would read when you're a kid. And then as you get an adult, you're like, this is messed up. Right, right. <laughs> and of course, since then, there's been these allegations towards him and his wife, who is, I believe, the mother of the 18-year-old, I can't remember, of a lot of sexual misconduct on, the, on themselves. And I'm like, huh. 
that's about right. Yeah. Not surprising. And yeah, this virgin testing uh, is not uncommon. In fact, the UN documented that at least 20 countries around the world were still practicing virginity tests, including the US, in 2019. Right. So when Fuller Project, a nonprofit that reports on global issues impacting women, and Marie Claire conducted an investigation in 2019, they found that several countries, including the US, were still getting requests for virginity tests to be completed on girls. Um, these tests included the two-finger tests uh, that would examine a person's vagina to see if their hymen was still intact, and, and also instrumental with a speculum to uh, actually observe and test to make sure that they still had it intact. The many who spoke up about these tests talked about how traumatic the overall experience was, as well as how damaging it was for them later on in life. Uh, One woman who was interviewed stated she felt it was rape by instrument and how she has been in therapy working on how to cope with the effects of the test. In her interview, she detailed her constant fear of not being loved or being judged or abused by the mother who forced her to have this test. After uh, finding out that she had a urinary tract infection, um, which made her mother suspect that she'd lost her virginity, quote-unquote. And though the doctor stated that she was, in fact, still a virgin, uh, she learned from then on that her virginity was her purity, was her value. And she stated it taught her to lie and keep quiet even after being molested and later raped because she felt she was damaged and it was her fault as she was no longer pure. So that overall trauma that this uh, woman experienced just from going through that test was enough Mm -hmm. to shut her down. Yeah, yeah. And she is not the only one. There have been many anonymous groups and social platforms that have been sought out by a lot of women seeking support and for people to share their experiences. And many of these stories included things of or emotions of being quote, terrified and ashamed and being held down by parents while a male gynecologist violated them. Which, yeah, sounds extremely traumatic. And all of this needless suffering for an ill-conceived myth created in the 1500s by a man. But the sad truth is, although research has shown that these tests are not true indicators of whether a person with a vagina is a virgin or not, and as Dr. Jennifer Gunther stated, anybody who perpetuates the idea that virginity has anything biological to do with it is incorrect and they should be told so. Virginity is a patriarchal social construct, so keep medicine out of it. But yeah, it's still present today, though the WHO and the UN have called for a banning of the practice and legislation has even been presented in California and New York to ban it. None of that has been successful. Uh, People still are pushing for it, but no results yet. But yeah, and and honestly, people are still requesting um, the test as if it was factual, even though again Mm -hmm. and again and again, people are disproving that this is even a thing. People are not listening. And they are putting young girls through this horrible, horrible experience, it seems. Yeah. And that reminds me of, I believe I've told the story before of the first time I went to the gynecologist and I was told I was pregnant. I was like, nope. And they were like, yep. Uh, And apparently the test had come back positive. I had to take another test. It came back positive. But that fear of that moment of like, because you believe if a doctor's doing it, medicine, like you think, well... (laughs) then it's 100% true or not, or whatever result they arrive at is the correct. But it's, in my mind, totally possible that someone who had never had sex might, for some reason, (laughs) the doctor will be like, yes, you have. And what can you do to prove them? And it shouldn't even matter. Like, it's it's so upsetting because it... 
But for people who are getting this test or making others get this test, then it does. And it's just frustrating that it could be wrong. And what can you do to prove right. otherwise? But as we saw, as a, as this woman who talked about what she went through with her mom, who was already abusive, this yeah. is exactly the type of conversation that needs to be happening. Like you are not protecting that child, and typically they're supposed to have some privacy be- mm-hmm. to protect them from things like this. And I, I remember specifically, I had a friend of mine who had been raped, and she went in, and when getting all these tests, and I think she she's tested positive for an STI. And she, they told her, I think she was like, I want to say she was pretty young, but she was 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And her dad was present with her. And he started calling her a slut and started screaming at her. Uh, and I think he actually slapped her too. But things like that is where it's problematic and yeah. it's a trauma on top of a trauma. And I've seen that with kids that I've worked with who have been molested and then they're calling her a slut. And I'm like, what? Right. What? Because yeah. again, this whole level of purity and disgust and blaming young girls for this. And again, this mm-hmm. is that toxicity that we talked about at the beginning and why this, this is so concerning. And there's so many lies that people perpetuate in the sake of purity. And speaking of myths, and needless myths of virginity and purity. Uh, As I researched through all the different questions and theories of why people value women who are virgins, because I just could not understand, I fell into a recent hole of one man asking why it seems he was only interested in women who are virgins. Mm -hmm. And yeah, let's go ahead and add the caveat here that they are speaking about the heteronormative definition of virgin, vaginal penetration from penis. So he's like, Mm -hmm. untouched, but who knows? Because yeah, he seems like the the loophole kind of guy, uh, in which he adds a link to telegony. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> and if you're curious what telegony is, the definition, according to Marion Webster, is the supposed carrying over of the influence of a sire to the offspring of subsequent matings of the dam. With other males. In other words, the sperms of past partners will affect the fetus and inherit traits that are not of their biological father, aka paternity can be shared by multiple partners. Yes. I actually have heard of this now that yeah. I know uh, what I it see is. the definition. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like everybody knows what it is without the actual word. So, or yeah. the theory, rather, and, and the ideas behind it. And I was like, oh, yeah. This kind of goes into, when we're talking about the purity culture, the whole passing around of the lollipop mm, that you're sharing yeah. everyone's germs. Right, 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 that's right, right. That same concept. Oh, yeah. And it kind of reminds me of, oh, gosh, it's a, it's a theory of, like, why monogamy happened at all. And that's one of the theories is basically, like, men were very paranoid that they could be tricked into raising someone else's child. Right. And so they wanted it to be like, you've only been with me, therefore I know this is my child. Um, and that's a very big oversimplification. Right, but, right. Uh, I remember reading about that. So yeah, this uh, idea originated all the way back with Aristotle, and it was a part of Greek mythology and the reason for the half-god Theseus, who had a mortal father and an immortal father, 
And though the theory was dismissed in the early 20th century, apparently it's still floating around today as to why being pure and virginal is so important for a man to pick his chosen partner. Because of course, yes, it's all about them choosing the perfect vessel to sire their offspring or offsprings. But yeah, obviously, this is the most ridiculous thing I've heard in a long time. uh, Because you would think this would be common sense. But then you start thinking about flat earthers and Hugh conspiracies and you're like, Okay, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. But of course, that brings us back to, so how do we remain pure then? How do we remain virginal? And if if we made a mistake, which you know, happens. How do we come back to that? How do we regain our purity? Um, And it's not surprising that there's so many articles and books that advise on how to remain pure, a virgin, or to be repurified, re-virginated, of course. Whether it's procedures like hymenoplasty, which is the cosmetic repair, restoration, or reconstruction of a hymen, which would also be referred to as re-virginization, which you said. And by the way, yes, this is in the Sex in the City episode, Annie. This there is you go. Sex in the Get city your episode. bingo cards out. There's the Ex- Sex in the there city it is Because they talk about going back and becoming a re-virgin, Charlotte is very concerned that part of the reason that she's not married is because she has given it away too many times, as they oh, put wow. it. And uh-huh. so therefore, that there are things that you can become re-virginized. And for her, that meant just not having sex again. But of course, they did talk about that that there was an option for surgery as well, because, you know, they all talk about the options. Uh, They didn't Mm -hmm. do it. They didn't do it, but they did talk about Uh it. And of course, we have the legend of chastity belts, uh, or now churches teaching how to remain or ask to be pure. And there's quite a few options in trying to live up to the myth of purity. And yes, a lot of self-help books, a lot of prayer groups, mm-hmm. uh, and, a lot of, and a few surgeries. Uh, hymenoplasty or re-virginization surgery is an option that allows for women to re-stitch a hymen. So the procedure, if you don't want to know about this, go ahead and skip 10 seconds in. The procedure is uh, an outpatient procedure, which is simply cutting away of any torn skin on the edges, quote, edges of the hymen gently, after which the remaining tissue is stitched together, leaving a small opening. According to one health center that offers this procedure here in Georgia, it takes approximately six weeks to fully heal. Now, that seems like a long time to me, but apparently, like, you you could go back to work to mm-hmm. a couple of days afterwards, but you can't lift anything heavy, you can't do anything strenuous. Uh, right. I'm assuming you can't have sex the entire time. But that is the actual procedure. And that sounded really painful to me. (laughs) Because any kind of oncological appointment is really uncomfortable anyway. But I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? They do use uh, numbing uh, stuff on it, but they don't put you under or anything. Yeah. And there are so many other options for what is considered vaginal rejuvenation. Um, And we could easily talk about those in another episode, including vaginoplasty and labiaplasty, which we've talked about briefly in other episodes. But yeah, we're not going to get in depth in this one. And of course, uh, there are different reasons someone may want the surgery, but we can't ignore the overall reason this is offered and how some women feel they have no other options but going down this fairly expensive road. There are different stories of women talking about wanting to be able to give their husbands or future husbands the security of thinking they are the only sexual partners they have been with and that they are still worthy of their love. There are also some who went down this route out of fear or trauma. Many of the sites advertising these services state that in the case of some rape victims, quote, this surgical procedure may help to feel empowered or feel mentally 
peaceful. And again, yeah, not, to reiterate, this is not scientifically proven at all. And we couldn't find research to verify this assumption. But yeah, I wanted to put out there that this mere myth of the hymen and its correlation has an effect on many industries, has an effect on many, and industries do get this and they realize they can make money off of it. Right. And so they want to be able to give that option out. Again, if mm-hmm. that is something that happens to help someone, then that's wonderful. There's nothing yes. wrong in doing what you need to to ha- recover from trauma. But again, I really, I couldn't, when I was looking things up, it was mainly about women in shame or women right. in fear being rejected more so mm-hmm. than doing it for themselves. So Yeah, like truly empowering. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But again, not our choice to make. People can do what they want, but we're not going to sit here and say... There aren't issues. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And again, we're not going to talk too much about it in this episode because I know Annie is preparing an episode (laughs) for this, a Monday Mini, I believe. Uh, Items like chastity belt has been a part of the myths of purity as well. Though it seems the origination may have been a bad joke. Uh, The idea of an ironclad locked undergarment has been around since the Middle Ages. Um, And in the late Middle Ages, the subject of chastity belts was a popular one for satirists, including paintings of women wearing nothing but a chastity belt, bidding her husband a farewell while her lover, (laughs) hee hee hee, is waiting in the corner with a key for him to leave. So I I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, oh, okay. This is a huge joke. Yep. The actual creation may have come from the Gothic revival and was most likely made for museums and curiosity shows with tales of torture uh, during the Dark Ages and most likely around, um, not for use, but largely anecdotal or in burlesque. Fiction. Yes, you'll learn more soon, listeners. <laughs> and speaking of learning more, it turns out that, yes, we had a lot to say, and we still have a lot more to say about virginity, but I think we're going to have to make it a two-parter. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've been riding the roller coaster, and here we are. So this is the end of part one on our look into virginity. In our next episode, we're going to cover some Christian ideologies around it, other things like that. So you'll have to check it out to learn more. Yes, it's like a sminty cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, if you would like to get in contact with us, you can, and we would love to hear from you. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.